the black rocks and revolution. Samurai punk feminist solution. White noise, your audio pollution. This is not a test. Calling all your slaves to the ground. Coming out your grace for the mind. At eyes, but still you are blind. This is not a test. All right, Brad here. Um, turns out that Alan, are you there? We're in the intro here. Hello, Alan. Yes. Right. Yes. So it turns out Helen, uh, who we're interviewing here today, we uh, went to uh, school together in 84, but we didn't know each other. But we played on the same stage, a musical called A Bluebell. They had, it's been going on for years, called Many Moods of Music. And she did a, a collaboration of, what was it, Alice? She did a collaboration of different folk songs. And I went up and played. Cat Stevens, up, Bob Dylan. Yeah. Sort of, yeah, father and son kind of stuff. Uh, and I was on stage playing with another band. There was multiple bands, but I played um, Wish You Were Here by Pink Floyd. Anyways, uh, this is an interesting one. Helen's been part of music since she was born. But what we get into in this one, I didn't know much. I wasn't thinking about it, but sort of Helen brought it around in some. We'll talk to Al on this episode about it. Uh, is uh, as music is a survival mechanism, and um, so you don't want to miss this episode. But we get into this with Helen and her life, but we also get into music and survival. So here we go. Blue eyes crying in the rain. That's my new favorite song. Really? <laughs> it's a great song. Hey Al. Um, Love is but an amber or something. Blue crying in the love remains. Blue eyes crying in the rain. Sorry, you know I'm random, Bradsky. Well, we'll get along fine then. Unless Brad wants to take control of this meeting. Hello, Ellen and Brad. Brad here. Yeah, okay. well, I mean, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a rock and roller, but I, I, I'm getting older, and I'm starting to like Hank, no, Hank Williams, and, and I just saw. Waylon Jennings. I was, I was home visiting my wife. Yeah, I was, I was home visiting my wife uh, in Nova Scotia last week, and we saw Willie Nelson, and I, I, I've never heard the song before, and it just, it just floored me. I was like, oh. I love this song. Well, I know it I mean, through listening to Waylon Jennings because Waylon Jennings and Willie Nelson did a song together called "Looking Back Texas," and they referenced that song in it. So they talk about Waylon right, and so, Willie and the boys. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Anyways, uh, maybe that's why I heard the song last week because we because we were going to have this interview today. There you go. All yeah. right, Brad, you can take charge again. Oh, is that what I'm supposed to do? <laughs> Is that am I the whole like oh, okay so that's up to you. Entirely uh, up to you. Okay, so what was your last name when you were in Blueville then? Hitchens. Okay, so Al we were in the same musical at eighty four at Blueville. I don't remember each other. <laughs> um, but I know I, I actually have a video, a DVD of that concert if you would like a copy. You have the whole thing? I have well. I bought the the I bought the VHS tape that they were recording, and my dad turned it into a DVD for me. I gave a copy to Paul, and I gave a copy to uh, Dan Davies, who I've worked with uh, quite a bit on my own writing. Okay, so, so Dan, Dan Davies, I we started in kindergarten together. 
Yeah, he's one of my best friends. Uh, I haven't seen him in a few years yet, but he um, he really encouraged a lot of my songwriting and worked with me together to get. Uh, I've got like ten songs up on SoundCloud that uh, he did the arrangements for and and played with. So, um, yeah, very special person to me. Okay, where'd so, you go, Brad? Okay, oh, there so you are. Uh, so Al, I, I I interviewed Brittany, her daughter, but you weren't on the. I don't know what happened to you. You were gone that day. I, I don't know. I think you were sick or something. Uh, okay. So, so uh, when did uh, when did you start knowing that music was part of your life? Was it like uh, five when, years old? Well, you know, and that's the thing. You, you talk about music as healing. Uh, to me, mu music is is so different to very many people. But to me, music is a fabric of my being. Um, I don't remember it not being a part of my life. Uh, my two grandfathers were musicians. My grandmother was a dancer. My parents were singers and dancers. Um, my I'm number five of six kids, so there was always music in the house. We were all musicians. Uh, Mom said I could uh, sing before I could talk. I, I'd sit there when I was six months old singing to myself. And so it's not a question of when did I discover music. Um, it, it to me is as natural as breathing. And when I meet people who don't have music in their lives, that's when I'm surprised. It's it's just, as I say, it's natural. There was always music around. And, uh, you know, my dad, uh, my dad never joined any actual choirs or anything, but he's got a lovely voice and he was always singing around the house, singing in the car, singing around the campfires. Um, so yeah, it's, it's just a part of who I am and what makes up my fabric. And, um, whether that's what's kept me going all these years, even with tough times or not, that's how I relate it to healing because without it, uh, I, I, I think part of me would be missing. But, uh, was, your, was, was one of your grandfathers a, a music teacher? No, um, no, I, I was married for a time uh, to Tony Bergauer. His, his dad, Mike, was my music teacher. Um, like my grandparents were from England and, uh, lived in England all their lives. My, my mother's father was actually a coal miner, but he played piano in the pubs in, uh, recreational times, um, back in the twenties and thirties. And my other granddad was, uh, carpenter, but he played the ukulele and the banjo and, uh, you know, so passed all that love of music down to both my parents and, uh, my mother sang in church choirs all her life and, um, sang in the in the Kitchener Philharmonic Choir for many, many, many years uh, during my childhood. Um, but uh, all of us, I think all the kids in my family are four out of five, or four out of six of us were taught by Mike Bergauer in terms of instrumental music, but uh, vocally we've just always sang together and uh, harmonized together. And so uh, adding the instrumental part was just sort of bonus. But um, I started writing probably around the age of 13 or so. Um, I was, I went through a lot in my childhood and in my teenage years, a lot of um, anxiety and depression and writing songs was very cathartic. And then meeting people who were like-minded and, and encouraged me to use those talents and to sing um, was very healing as well. So, um, so I just encouraged it in my kids and I sang to them right from the cradle and um, I was saying to them at bedtime until they got too old for me to sing to them. But uh, 
um, yeah, but they're both very musical as well. So very, very proud and fulfilled at that. So. Okay, so like when you play Bluebell, were you playing, I don't remember, were you playing your own song? No, um, I wasn't playing my own songs. I was asked to write a medley of folk songs and um, I was able to coordinate it with a project I was doing for my grade 13. I was the only grade 13 music student at the time. So I uh, was doing a independent project. And so I used the two together. And so I took a bunch of folk songs and made a story about um, a, a young man not getting really along with his parents and leaving home and coming back. So it kind of had uh, it had the father and son by Cat Stevens and it had um, Sit Down Young Stranger by Gordon Lightfoot and it had um, some elements of father and son by uh, Harry Chapin it had, and it, it had uh, The Times They Were Changing by Bob Dylan. And I just took the verses and made it into a story of um, leaving, learning and then returning home. And uh, I wrote the harmonies for for Margaret to sing, and I played the guitar while we while we told that tale. So, oh, okay, so it was your song. Yeah. Well, it was a medley. I I, I, oh, you took those I did songs. the arrangement. I did the arrangement. Yeah. Yeah, oh, it was her arrangement. Yeah, her arrangement. Yeah, my arrangement, but no no original material of mine at that time. Oh, you took those but pieces it, it, of songs and put it together. Yeah. Yeah, and it, I I like that. It sounded good. It sounds sounds like a great concept. Yeah, it was a lot of fun to do. I actually still have the sheet music for it. Um, I kept a lot of mementos from that time, and um, that was very special to me. Uh, it was really the first time I'd sang in front of a large audience, uh, except in choirs. I'd always wanted to be a singer, and I was always sort of in the orchestra or the bands. So when I auditioned for that show and was accepted, I actually auditioned with the Janice Ian song. Uh, between the lines which was uh, still one of my favorite songs and they came back and asked me if i would partner up with margaret and do a medley so um which is what we did so yeah. uh the, considering um, oh, go ahead well, i was gonna say considering most of the bands were doing um rock songs it was a bit of a departure so um but yeah it was well received was mr fry the teacher back then yeah he started moods <laughs> the school opened. Uh, well, Al, it's been going on. The mini moves has been going on probably, well, it's almost 40 years. I don't yeah. know what happened during the pandemic, but um, okay, so just so everybody knows, I think people know the story before. Uh, in 84, when I was doing moods, I was doing both. I was doing, um, I played in a, I think I played in two bands, but I'm not sure. But also, I was also a fall spot operator. So I've always been music and tech all my life. Yeah. Started the tech crew when I was in. Did you go to Lincoln Heights? No, I was in the Catholic school system. So uh, I was at St. Anthony's in Bridgeport and then uh, St. Mary's. And then oh. I just switched to Blueville for my last year because we had moved to that neighborhood. And it was just, you know, just down the block. <laughs> so, okay. Plus, they, they didn't have great 13 music at St. Uh, St. Mary's, St. Jerome's at the time. And so that was the only way for me to continue in music. And uh, I just felt it was time for a change. And uh, I really enjoyed my year there. So I think it was, it was, if I hadn't been for that year at Bluebell, I don't think I would have gone on to university. What would you have done? Uh, <clears throat> no idea, but I was 
hating school by the end of grade 12 and thought, well, <laughs> I got no other plans yet. I might as well see if I can switch schools and get a renewed energy for it. And that, and that worked. So well, that's good. What did you take at university? I actually majored in myth and religion. I started out doing a double major. In uh oh, now she's in religion and myth mythical stuff. Well, what happened was when I did my first year in um, philosophy and, and classics, what I found really drew me to, uh, drew my interest most was the cultures. So cultures and the architecture, the architecture and the religions I found fascinating. And so I found that they did offer a course in myth and religion. And because it was such a small, I went to the Scarborough campus, very small school. Scarborough I was basically what? able. What's Scarborough? What's that? What Scarborough campus, uh, well, it was University of Toronto, but it was their Scarborough campus. And it was, um, I was able to choose my own courses to fit into that. And yeah. therefore, I was able to study pretty much any era of history because all history, every single society throughout history has had their own religions and has had their own cultures. And it was, um, it was really fascinating to me to be able to, to, I studied, um, North American indigenous religions and Celtic religions and Norse religions and um, all the big ones as well. And uh, and I also studied archaeology and things like that. So it was it was really eye opening. And I, it, it's it's a gift that I keep to this day because I've since then been very broad minded and very accepting because one thing I did find was that they are basically at their root all the same, just different people's interpretations of you know, sort of a, of a of a basic faith, but it's um, what molded societies and what uh, drew them together. But uh, anyway, that's probably a podcast uh, for another uh, topic. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, I mean, uh, what Brad's referring to is I, I had an I had an experience, I had an encounter with God, and so I, I go back and I and I was always puzzled by the myths and the gods and the Greek gods and all the rest of it. But the thing is, is that if you believe what the Bible says, that there were uh, there was a fall from heaven and there was fallen angels and they basically started all the religions down here on Earth. And then Jesus came to fix it all up. There you go in a nutshell. But but that's that's sort of where I came from. But yeah, also came from a rocker to uh, blue eyes crying in the ring. So, yeah, yeah, so um, I, I uh, studied. I just recently finished a course from the University of Alberta on, on Indigenous studies that so covers four or five hundred years. It's and fascinating, isn't it? What's fascinating about uh, those two things, I'll talk about, they have a legal system that's far superior than we have right now. It's with the Wampa Belt and all that, because I just watched last night, there was a, when they opened the Belmont Vigil Village here, the opening. Oh, yeah. But, but also their music. I was trying to read the tip. The music was written in 7-4 time or in 7. The signature was always odd in their music. Okay. Did you le learn anything about that? No, I didn't get a chance to study um, the different music of the different different cultures. Um, probably because, well, I went to university in 1984, and there's still not a lot known about, uh, well, not as much known about the Indigenous people as it should have been, or if it was, it wasn't... Uh, shared i guess you could say um but you know reading from textbooks and whatnot you don't you don't hear the music you, you don't it, yeah so it was really more based on the faith and the the family structures and you know how they worked as a society 
but really, um, you know, as far back as humans have been humans, there's been music. People have every right to express themselves, whether it be through art or dance or music. It, it's all personal expression. And uh, I think it's a very important part of our culture, regardless of what it sounds like. I started out as a rock fan as well. My uh, older sisters were heavy into British rock. They came from, they were born in England, came here in the in the mid 60s so a lot of Beatles and Hollies and Rolling Stones and <laughs> and uh and yeah. um you know introduced all kinds of people as my sisters grew older and I grew older with them I was listening to their music and in the mid 70s one of my sisters joined a folk choir at the church and learned how to play guitar and learned folk music and she brought that home to us and taught us all how to play guitar and how to uh, read uh, just chord charts and um so we're all self-taught on guitar basically with just reading your fingering chord charts uh, but but just using it to enhance our loving to sing together as a as a family and um and that that's really special to me so that's when I got started listening to folk music and a little bit more country and um you know, and then as you grow older, you discover your own kind of music. Um, as I said, I, I suffered a lot of anxiety and depression in my teenage years. And um, I discovered the Janice Ian's Between the Lines album. And that one really stuck with me. Um, still one of my favorites to this day. I listened to a lot of Joan Baez. I listened to a lot of Carly Simon. Um, just, uh, but then I also loved... Um, all kinds of other music. My my brother introduced heavy metal to us. He started listening to ACDC and Metallica and Led Zeppelin and all those. And um, some of that's some of my favorites too. So very, very broad range. My father listened to classical. So, and of course I played a lot of that in music class. So classical to opera, to heavy metal, to classic rock, down to country and folk. Um, it's all part of my library. and. But it, uh, what it makes you, you know makes me me right so when you were in your teens did um did uh <laughs> you think music helped you through that era of depression yeah. it does when when you hear that one song that seems to yeah say exactly what you've been feeling you think it's written for you and it helps you yeah. through because you know yeah. you know that obviously you didn't write it so somebody else out there feels what you feel right and then maybe also that's a that's big connection maybe that's yeah. a connection you think oh it could be absolutely things things that happen for a reason i um i started writing as a as a form of catharsis catharsis and it, it really helped me purge a lot of my demons and um you know i look back at some of the stuff i wrote then and i chuckle but some of it's quite good some of it's trash you know but it, it didn't matter because i wasn't writing for anybody else i was writing for myself to let that out um so i was very much i'm very much more of a lyricist in terms of uh of my songwriting um not as good as bob dylan i'd have to say but <laughs> But I say what I need to say. And then one thing I've discovered over the years is I can only write music when I'm depressed. So I haven't <laughs> written music in years. <laughs> and that's that. something, there's, there's something Daniel Davies brought me to task on. He said, uh, you know, you've got so much to write about and try writing them happy stuff. I can't do it. <laughs> it comes out as drivel. So I thought, well, I'd rather be happy and singing the music that I love than uh, being miserable and writing my own. So, <laughs> so there you go. So Daniel Davies, I should ask him to be on the podcast. He was he played 
in that year, but he was already a really good guitar player by then. He was already really a He's fantastic. He's he's uh, one of the best I know. And he played, uh, and their band played, I think, Wind Me Up from Saga. Yes. So, uh, (laughs) that's brilliant. So, people outside of Canada probably don't know who Saga is unless you're in Germany, but they were a big band and they, and it was really difficult to play, to make it melodic and to play it properly. And Daniel was already. He was already way down the path already by then. He was, and he was in. Um, I think he was in LA for a lot of years doing studio work, and he's uh, he's now back in Ontario, and um, he's still writing, he's still teaching, as far as I know. So, um, okay, yeah. so uh, my dad sang all his life. He sang he sang in the police choir, the Waterloo Chorus Police Choir. Um, definitely sang in church always. Um, and up until up until just before he died, he was really frustrated near the end of his life that he couldn't sing the gospel. And yeah. um, that and and I talked to Alan at length about it, and uh, I think that was the end of the road for him. Like it didn't. He lost yeah. a lot of other things. He was losing his breath because he had some disease or something. But I remember talking to him about it, and I remember talking to Alan about it. And I think that was the end for him, that he couldn't breathe enough to sing, and they had this big choir thing going down at the church just around these churches built in the 1700s or whatever but um i think it's because he couldn't sing the gospel anymore that that he felt that i think that was kind of shut off and decided okay yeah that's the end for me yep um but only the end of this chapter he's still he's yeah so just the end of this chapter he was frustrated with with being able to breathe and sing properly yeah yeah yeah, my mother, um, my mother and I sang for years together in the St. Mary's Church Choir, the, the big church in downtown Kitchener. And she quit, uh, she quit the choir when her um, when she couldn't do the stairs anymore up to the choir loft. <laughs> but for like about 30 years, we sang together. And um, except for the time when I was in Toronto. But um, she, as I say, she, then she would still go. She's a very devout Catholic. My dad's not a, a churchgoer at all. He's Anglican. He was never really raised in the church. But my mom, um, being very devout Catholic, raised us all uh, in the Catholic faith. And to um, to sing at church, standing beside her, uh, some of my most special memories. Um, thank God my mother is still with us. She's 93. And she only just quit singing a couple of years ago with COVID because she was with the Mary Melodies and then the Noteworthy Singers, which what they came, which is um, a seniors choir and really, really performed. Um, but again, um, she used to say, I'm going to quit singing when my voice sounds like a horrible old lady. <laughs> but uh, she really only quit singing when the COVID kind of took the, the social aspect out of it. And, uh, you know, and now she's, uh, but um, yeah, still very very devout and very much a, a part of the, the music world. And I was very grateful to our choir director, who's still the choir director at St. Mary's, because he is a classically trained organist and um, one of the one of the best I've ever heard. But he has a real love for old music. He taught us the Gregorian chants and he taught us music that was written in Michelangelo's age and, and older. And he taught us uh, how to sing the incredible Mozart church music. You know, people think of that as sort of classical orchestral music, but there's some fantastic music written for the church centuries ago, and we were still singing that in this century. Um, but when you sing those incredible pieces, 
you just feel so uplifted knowing that this was written for the glory of God. You know, people weren't back then writing uh, writing out their feelings like a Taylor Swift song. They were they were writing for the glory of God, and it shows. And when you sing that, you feel so uplifted. Maybe that's um, what dad, again maybe just that's, another aspect. Yeah, maybe sorry, that's Brad, what my dad was experiencing. Anyway, sorry. Continue. I think so. It's yeah. it's really hard to explain. I I am very much. Um, I wouldn't say anti-Catholic. I, I I still am Catholic as far as I'm concerned. If if there's a problem in your family, you fix it within the family. You don't just join another family. Is kind of how I think of my religion as well. Um, I don't always agree with the policies, and I don't always agree with you know the organization of the church because that was all decided by man, if you will. Um, but the music and um, and just the reverence you feel when you're there is. Uh, that's what kept kept me going and kept me a believer. Um, so yeah, again, very healing. Yeah, hey um, I, I don't ever recall you singing hymns. Like, uh, is that sorry? I just because oh yeah, no, I, I, I there's a, there's there's a, there's a side of me you don't know. I, I I've written worship music, oh, uh, okay. and, and uh, I I played in uh, lots of gospel uh, collectives and. Uh, over the years, but all I talk about is is my uh, is the rock and roll and all that stuff. So, uh, no, no, very, very much so. There's nothing. We're we are spirit, and uh, we are here to glorify God. Uh, that's why we're here. I and think that. So, yeah. yeah. Uh, you know, when 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 it when we make it about us and me me me, then you miss out. So that that's what most of it is. So anyway, yes, the music is uplifting because it, we're glorifying the Lord and we get blessed in the midst of it. And we are spirit. Well, yeah, sometimes, sometimes I get very depressed because I can't write like that. You know, I often have dreams where I'm, I'm at, either at a concert or in a bar or at a church or whatever. And that the music that is playing is like, wow, I really love this piece. And, it, and it's fantastic. And then I wake up and go, if I've never heard that piece before, I just wrote that. <laughs> and I can't remember enough of it to put it down on paper or sing it. I get so um, frustrated because I know it's in there and it and it and I just can't get it out. I've, I've you know often thought, gee, if you could just attach electrode wires to your brain while you're sleeping and attach it to a computer, and you know, I don't know if you've seen Harry Potter when they put that wand to their head and draw out all the all the memories and store it away. I thought. <laughs> It would be so cool because, um, yeah, that that music's in there somewhere, and uh, I and I don't know if it's people's um, inhibitions, natural shyness, or whatever the humility that makes you unable to bring it out. You know, a lot of people are unable to speak of their feelings or to tell the truth for whatever reason. They they don't like to make themselves vulnerable. And I think that that has killed a lot of the musical spirit in younger people, because uh, I know one thing Mr. Bergauer told me was that every child is born musical until somebody else told them, tells them that they're not. Um, he's never met a child that he couldn't teach, whether it was to play an instrument or to, to, to listen to their own voice. Um, People that are tone deaf or say they're tone deaf, most of the time, unless it's a physical disability, most of the time it's because they didn't learn to listen to their voice as compared to, you know, and we were taught at a young age how to sing together and how to listen to each other. And when you're in a choir, you have to listen 
to each person to blend your voice because there's not supposed to be any voices outshining any others in a choir. You know, it's a it's supposed to be almost like one note. And um, right from kindergarten um, at St. Anthony's, um, Mike Devereaux was our principal and he led a school choir and he taught us those things right from um, very young age. Um, uh, don't know, uh, you must know Jesse Weber, obviously quite a local talent. Well, I went to school with his mom. <laughs> she and her sister and her brother were at that at that same school. And uh, yeah, and we all sang in the choirs together and, you know, kept that, we learned music at an early age and um, therefore don't have quite the same inhibitions as some others that, you know, people say, oh, we'll sing this song. Oh, I can't sing. Don't be silly. Or they don't want the spotlight on them or, or whatever. And uh, to me, that's sad. I, I hate more than anything people saying, shush when somebody's trying to sing or or you know because I don't care if you've got a good voice or not you have that right to express yourself it was given to you by God or whatever greater spirit you believe in or or by science if you don't believe in a higher power it's in you to express yourself and that's what makes us human and everybody has a right to sing or to dance or to, to just be goofy or to be reverent or, or whatever. And, and I think more people need to understand that and to be respectful of that. So something just came huh? uh, Alan and, and Helen, I got an, I just think it, when Alan, Helen was talking about it, is it, I'm just going to throw it out to you guys real quick. I got 10 minutes left. Is, uh, since everybody is born with music, which I believe, uh, does you guys think maybe that it's, it's, it's part of the human experience and, and it's a um survival mechanism. Is that possible? A way to survive the hardship of life or is it a way of because yeah. we're talking about healing, maybe it's a way of internally correcting ourselves. Just throwing it out to you guys. Any good comments? Well, from my point of view, um the earliest stories that I know are from my mother when she was a young child growing up in Yorkshire, England, in a very, very poor coal mining town. And she was born in 1930, the beginning of the Depression. So her father was a coal miner. And a lot of times there was no work for them. Um, and the 30s would know, have been so right in the middle grow, of the area. Yeah, they had to grow their own. Um, they had to grow their own food. And, and but he was always singing and telling his children stories and getting them involved in music. And then she lost her mother when she was only three, um, died in a tragic fire. And yet there was always laughter and singing in their house. Uh, they may not have had anything to eat half the time or, or um, you know, two coins to rub together, but they were always very close and always singing. And later when her father remarried and she had younger brothers, I mean, they were still music and um she actually met my father in the air force uh she joined the air force and he was in oh. the air force and they met through music because there was somebody there who had a record player and a small collection of classical music and the the command the, the base commander record player gave them back permission. Then would have been a record player back um, then well this was in 1950 rare. i believe oh, so yeah they had um they had a, they had they had permission to sort of meet once a week and to to listen to the music and that's where my mom and dad met through this love of music and so how how can that not be a way think, to get through hard times right survival so, uh al i think that so al sort of what's your take on it too just sort of 
because I don't want to go to talking here. You're sort of referenced from that. Oh, I, I mean, I, I think you, you said it really well, uh, you know, when you, you have nothing, uh, you know, we're, we are a spirit and, uh, you know, I, I come from the end of a lot of our music was, was prostituted and, and perverted and made about us and me and, 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 and selling stuff and all the rest of it, it's just like other, other things. But I mean, the purity of when I get us in the innocence uh, and then in the glorifying of, of God, the great spirit, if you will, because uh, he is spirit, God is spirit, and uh, we are spirit. And, uh, you know, so when we when we glorify God, obviously, when we worship, the, you know, it says worship in spirit and in truth, then you're blessed by it as well. But I mean, as far as family and keeping people, you know, uh, you know, singing a song can can just lift your spirits. Okay, so uh, and and uh, and so I, I I think you said it really well. All right, so I think it's. I think she said it really well. Maybe that's what gospel music because I don't follow gospel. I, we're trying to work on a Helen. We're trying to work on a podcast right now. We're going to uh, talk about uh, the story of bluegrass music because apparently, I just thought it was like a farmer's kind of, but it's actually goes way back to the 1700s and it's folk it's uh it's both black and white polkas mixed together my sister loves bluegrass (laughs) one of my sisters got me into listening to bluegrass and gospel music too um and people like mahalia jackson with the gospel and and then the bluegrass you know there's there's some mainstream country artists that started out in bluegrass people like ricky skaggs and um um, even Dolly Parton to some to some extent, um, but uh, the banjos and the fiddles. And even though the music sounds different, you got to think of um, the newfies with their with their kitchen parties and the uh, you know so the country folk with their their bluegrass. It was just people getting together and jamming with whatever instruments they happen to have and making it and singing about happiness or faith or or whatever they believed in every culture has that and i think that our modern day sort of white society is missing that you know um thank goodness live music is alive and well in in uh, kw and i'm happy that my daughter is uh very proud of it and trying to promote it the local people as much as possible in the original but you don't really see other than the you know um the organized jam sessions you don't really get you don't really see people getting together and doing kitchen parties here and i and i think uh yeah that's that's the roots of bluegrass All right so people that don't know family. uh yeah we're in canada st john's or sorry newfoundland is on the far east coast of canada and um it's it's very common even now uh to have they call them barn dances but people just gather on a saturday night bring instruments and just play um everybody knows and if you want to you want to you want to come to canada you should actually travel to newfoundland it's quite unique anyways continue sorry yeah. no no that's that's really all i wanted to say it is just a it's a way to share and show and i don't i don't like people one thing that makes me sad is you know when i go to local bars or you've got an open night or a karaoke night oh i'm not getting up i can't sing or whatever and, and that makes me sad who cares just get up there and have fun and let loose and it's the it's the judging of society and the fact that everything is now on social media and you can't 
you know, people try to hide who they really are because they don't want to be vulnerable. And, um, you know, I've, I've, I've been through a lot in my life and I don't mind staying vulnerable because to me, that's, um, it's better than being a brick wall. It's better than being, you know, having an ice shield. I, I'm okay being vulnerable because that's who I am. Um, I, I have my incredible moments of happiness and then maybe I'll have some moments of depression, but I'd rather have that than not feel at all. And, uh, Oh yeah. I see me, that. I get that. Me, me and Al, you know? Yeah. Me and Al talk about that a lot about, about, yeah. you know, moving forward, no matter in what situation you're in. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. And, um, it's just all part of life. Yeah. And, and, and there's, there's an intimacy. I mean, I've been in a band for uh, off and on for over 45 years and, and then I've been involved in gospel groups and worship teams and all the rest of it. And the thing is, is there's an intimacy in music and then there's a, a perversion uh, or a prostitution of music. And even in the producing of it and recording, we've talked about it before, Brad. You know, I mean, entertainment, you know, for profit versus intimacy and creating music together, whether it's in somebody's basement or whether it's on a stage, it doesn't have to, you know. But the thing is, there's there's some there's something about uh, intimacy, and then perverting that intimacy for profit. That's all. There's a big difference. Commercial. Yeah, I realized a long time ago I was never going to sell my songs commercially because it's not, you know, I I don't want to put them in the hands of somebody who's going to overproduce them and, you know, change them, put a you know rhythm behind them or. It, as you say, pervert them somewhat. My songs are very personal. I love to share them with people. I've got them out there on the on the internet. Um, I have no problem with that. But, you know, I wrote them as an expression of what I was going through at the time, and I don't feel the need to change them, and I don't feel the need to make money from them anymore. Um, you know, if somebody came along and offered me a million bucks for my songs, maybe I'd say sure. But <laughs> other than that, you know, it's... Uh, it's not it's not who I was meant to be. I was meant to be a mother and a grandmother and a, and a daughter and a, an aunt and a, a sister. And that's where I'm and happiest. A and and a, mu a musician. Well, a musician is, yeah, it's, as I say, it's part of the fabric. It, it reminds me of my, my grandson. I asked him if he was going to be an engineer one day because he's got that, that brain. And he looked at me and said, Grandma, I'm already an engineer. And that oh, is oh, very oh. true. And I think of that with musicians. You don't you know, it, you are, you never stop being a musician. You might put down your instruments and not play or sing again, but it, it's, it's who you are. It's a fabric of your being. Um, music is, is what helps you to breathe and make it through the day. So. Yeah. You're, you're very articulate and you're very grounded. I must Thank you. Say. It's a, uh, it's taken a long time to get there. <laughs> I'm not. Again, that, that would take hours in another broadcast. <laughs> <laughs> um, Thank you so much for having me on. It's uh, it's been enlightening. But, uh, yeah. yeah, well, that's what we like to do. We like uh, me and Al just you know we want people to hear hear their story of music, right? And yeah. how, why they do music, not what's going on in music. So, yeah. So thank you for having being here. Oh, yeah, you're quite welcome. Yeah, so I mean, again, uh, another episode where we had no idea where it was going to go, and Helen, she has learned to process uh, life, and uh, and she's become very articulate and very grounded in her gift of music, 
and shared stories from her families, 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 and, you know, survival with music and how music is uplifting and we just, you know, how we're spirit and how we glorify God and in, in, in worshiping him in spirit and truth. And, but I mean, in life in general, uh, it was another, another dimension of music that I don't think we've ever talked about before yet. Yeah, that's so, true. Anyways, enjoy. I enjoyed it. All right. Thank you, Al. We're on to the next one. Thank you, Brad. All right. See ya.